Reclaim Your Brain podcast. I'm Dr. Liz Rook. I'm a certified life coach and rheumatologist, and I'm here to show you how I combine science, coaching, and psychology to solve stress and worry for me. And now I want to show you how you can do the same to enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. It's time to stop struggling and have more fun. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. I hope that you're having an energetic and happy week so far. So this episode, I want to take things in a slightly different direction. And full disclosure, I've put off recording this for several weeks now because this is more personal to me, which is more emotional. And if you're anything like me, you have a chronically overthinking brain that gets easily overwhelmed and wants to shut down or avoid doing certain things. And this is case in point. I wrote down notes for this episode and then I promptly said, oh, we'll do something else. Oh, we'll interview a friend. Oh, we don't need to record that this week. And even as I sat down, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to record something else. And then I realized that it's just fear that's holding me back. And fear is an emotion. And all of our emotions come from our thoughts and our mindset. And a lot of them are unconscious and they're just deeply ingrained in things we grew up with that we haven't really examined. And for me, that's case in point. I grew up being shy, being anxious, because that's what I learned and it's how I learned to cope with the world around me. And I learned to shut down and I learned to eat when I felt uncomfortable because that made me feel good for a moment. And in the long run, it didn't really do anything for me. So as I grew up and became a doctor because to me, when I was growing up, money meant security. And I decided when I was about eight or nine years old that I was going to go into a profession where I would be financially secure and then the world would be fine. My life would be happy and I was going to be either a doctor or a lawyer. And we did some kind of mock courtroom trial in middle school and I just I remember the classroom and the desks being split in two and there was a jury and there was a prosecutor and a defense and probably witnesses and I have no idea what role I played I do not remember that part but I just remember deciding after that real life court drama in our middle school classroom that I was not going to be a lawyer And I was not going to go into the court system. And I was like, heck no, that's not for me. And luckily, I liked science. I was very curious. I've always been fascinated with why people do what they do and how they make their decisions. And when I was little, I always just thought of it as nosy. Like, I just want to know what everyone's thinking, why they're doing what they're doing, right? And I really enjoyed science. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be a lawyer, then I'm going to be a doctor. And that was it. And I made the decision. And from then on in, even though I had some rocky times with my grades and getting into colleges and I got a B minus and a couple of classes in college, which if you were pre-med or you are a high achieving woman, which you likely are because you're listening to this, you knew that, you know, you had to get good grades and there was just something you did. And I have a lot of perfectionistic and people-pleasing tendencies in me as a woman growing up in our world that I've had to unwind a lot of, but I didn't realize it until I became conscious of it. And that's part of what this reclaiming your brain idea is, is that we can't change something unless we're aware of it. So I got into med school the second time I applied, 
But thinking back now, I knew I was going to be a doctor. Literally, I had no other goals or aspirations and there were no other options. Looking back, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, right? We always may go back and do something differently. I probably would have majored maybe in psychology or something else similar um, and not done biology. And maybe I would have become a psychologist. What I think it would have eventually led me to coaching because coaching, I found it and it was my true passion after denying that part of me and resisting it for a long, long time. So when I talk about reconnecting with yourself and being true to your spirit and your deeper truths, that's what I'm talking about. This is a part of me that I found a little bit of in medicine, even though it was a little bit contradictory for me, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So the first time I applied to medical school, I did what I thought was appropriate and studied and took the MCATs and did miserably and then applied to a bunch of schools and got an interview at my state school. And I talked about this in an earlier podcast, but at that interview, I was so early and I was also so desperate (laughs) and coming from a scarcity mindset that, oh my gosh, I applied to all these schools and I got one interview. And if I blow this, I'm not going to get into med school. And then I couldn't even see beyond that. So of course my brain, you know, I was concentrating on what not to say. So of course I said the thing that I didn't want to say. And then I knew like I was just kind of defeated. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get in. And they waitlisted me and I didn't get in. And it took me a few months to recover. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to apply to grad school and I'm going to go to grad school. And then I came up with a plan to get into med school the next time I applied. And I was like, okay. I know what not to do. And part of what held me back was my lower MCAT scores. So I came up with a plan and I asked my boyfriend at the time who was older, already working, and my dad, if they for Christmas would buy me a review course. That was what I wanted for Christmas. And so I did the review course. I went to grad school and got a master's in bioethics and spent a wonderful year in Ohio and got exposed to hospice and a lot of geriatrics, which really piqued my interest. And I took my MCATs and I nailed them the second time. And in that time, I had discovered osteopathic medicine. And it was something that someone had mentioned to me like, hey, why don't you look into osteopathy? Because it fits into more of a holistic mind-body approach to medicine. And I read all about it when I was in grad school and I fell in love. And I ended up applying to all osteopathic schools the second time around because of the philosophy, the holistic approach to mind and body care for health. And I got into, you know, I interview, I got interviews at every school I applied to, which was like 12 or 15. And after eight interviews, I started canceling interviews because I was like, you know, I'd already gotten some acceptances and I was like, I'm tired of interviewing. And it was right after 9-11. So flying that year was very interesting because there were, you know, guys with, you know, AK-47s and military gear at all the airports and the flights were really empty and it was just kind of spooky. Um, And that's just kind of an aside, but that's what I remember from that time. And then I got into med school and I went through med school and being a resident and an intern was like the accumulation of everything that I had ever worked for and wanted in my life. Like, yeah, I wanted to get married. I wanted to maybe have kids someday. And I had those goals too, but getting into becoming a doctor and like just watching ER growing up and being like, that's what I want. And then living it was amazing. And then I literally was like, okay, what's next? And I was like, what do I focus on now? And I became an attending and I kind of was 
I was at a like a stopping place in my life almost like I had achieved everything I'd ever wanted and in residency I met a man and fell in love and he had two kids from a prior relationship and so I got my wish of getting married to the love of my life and I had kids that I didn't have to give birth to because and I tell this story and it's it's kind of weird on a podcast, but um, we did all these rotations in med school where you rotate through the, all the different specialties. So like surgery and neurology and OB and family medicine and internal medicine. And I knew from the get-go I was going to be an internist. And initially I was going to be a geriatrician and do hospice because I'd really fallen in love with that. And one of my early mentors in med school had said, hey, why don't you look into rheumatology? It's kind of cool. You get to do a lot of geriatrics and it's really fulfilling and you get to do procedures. And so I did a a rheumatology rotation very early in my training and absolutely fell in love. He was so right. He had pegged me. He's like, you're going to want to do this. So while I have, I hold a special place in my heart for palliative care and hospice, I really love being a rheumatologist and forming long-term relationships with my patients and really making a difference in their life, their quality of life, their health. And coaching kind of went along with that because I was looking for ways to help them get healthier with their lifestyle, their nutrition, their movement, even when they were having pain. And a lot of that is mindset and how you're looking at things, right? Because if you're thinking, I can't do this, it's too hard, you're not even going to try. And then if you think, well, it's possible that I could do this, right? The more you move, the more you feel better, unless you're having chronic pain. So dealing with those issues kind of always led me to be searching for other things that I could help my patients with. And then stress. Stress is a huge issue for all patients, but especially patients with chronic disease, because stress physiologically affects our body, it affects our cells, it affects our healing, and it affects our immune system. So when I first got out of training, I would say, okay, we'll reduce your stress. And then I'd kind of laugh and say, haha, let me know if you figure out how to do that. And then, you know, I'll, I'll teach the rest of my patients which I was unsatisfied with, right? It left me wanting more. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn how to help my patients. And I was kind of at that crossroads in my life as a new attending where I was like, okay, I've checked all the boxes. I am a doctor, which I always wanted to be ever since I was a little kid. I'm financially secure now, right? Except for the half a million in loans that I had to pay back, which people don't really talk about. Um, I was married to the love of my life. I had bonus children and... I was generally healthy, right? But I was unfulfilled and I was unsatisfied and I didn't know what to do. So I focused next on fitness goals because in residency, you don't sleep a lot. You try to eat well, but it's hard because you're constantly going. And this was back when we had 30 hour shifts when we were on call and we worked 80 hours a week. Um, and so I would go out and take jogs or run or whatever. And so we, I remember we were at a medical conference in Hawaii shortly after I graduated and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was just like, I feel exhausted and tired and I don't like the way I look, which that's a whole separate issue as far as body issues with women. And we'll talk about that in a, in a future episode. And I just said, okay, now I'm going to focus on my health goals just to give me something in the interim to work on because I've literally achieved all of my other goals. I know how to set goals. I know how to hit them, right? And maybe you guys can relate to this. You just reach that point where you've hit everything and you're like, okay, now what? And it really threw me for a loop. And so I decided when we got back from vacation, I signed up for a boot camp and I started going to boot camp at like five o'clock in the morning, four days a week. 
And then I experimented with all kinds of nutrition programs, trusting a well-meaning trainer who should not have been giving nutrition advice. And so I've done all the crazy fads. If you ever want to talk about that, I am open to it because I know. (laughs) And I learned a lot. I really did. But I was open and I was willing to try. And in the context of that, I started listening to some podcasts about weight loss and I found one called um, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne Crabtree. And I listened to her for a while and I had joined a group several years later online to lose weight but to gain muscle. And I learned a lot through that and I was such a good encourager of other people that they asked me if I wanted to work for them part-time and coach for them. And I was like, sure. And I'm listening to this podcast by Corinne Crabtree, which I highly recommend if you want to lose weight, if you want to change your body image, if you want to change your entire relationship with yourself while you're you know, increasing your health, you can hire any life coach that's certified by the Life Coach School, but Corinne Crabtree is one of the OGs and her style you either love her or you hate her. She's a sassy Southern woman. And I consider her a mentor, even though I've never met her in person. She's fabulous. And I will forever be grateful because she would always talk about her mentor, Brooke Castillo, who founded the Life Coach School. And so then I started listening to her podcast. And after a while, because I'm not a quick investor, I decided to sign up for self-coaching scholars where they teach you how to coach yourself and improve your life based on the framework of the model, um, which I've talked about before, which the essence is basically your thoughts create your results. And they solve for the causal reason that you're having an issue or not getting the results you want, which is never the actions you're taking because our actions are driven by our emotions. And our emotions are driven by our thoughts and beliefs. So she developed a framework to going back and tracing back what was going on to your thoughts and your beliefs, which was just mind blowing and mind opening for me because while I was grappling with, okay, what's next, what's good. I was also a new stepmom. I was a new wife. I was a new attending. And as you can imagine, the stress was piling up and I was like, I cannot go on like this. Even though physically I'm eating better, I'm moving my body emotionally and mentally I was exhausted I was anxious we had some issues with the kids birth mother and I was an anxious hot mess and I knew that what I was doing was not going to work long term I was going to drive myself into the ground I was going to get sick and I would be good to no one so I invested in self-coaching scholars as I was doing weight loss coaching with this other program And looking for mindset-based ways to help people lose weight, sustain muscle, you know, change their habits. And this is kind of how I fell into life coaching. So totally sideways. Because when I was a cynical 20-something-year-old, I was like, psh, life coaching. Who needs a coach for their life? That's stupid. Literally, that's what I said. I was very bitter and cynical. (laughs) And when I became a stepmom, I realized, you know, I want to let that go. I want to become more loving and more calm and be a good role model because before that it was pretty much me and I didn't have anyone that you know was looking up to me and then suddenly I did and I was like oh heck no I don't want them to be bitter and cynical little kids running around right so I invested in self-coaching scholars and the biggest thing it taught me was that I could change how I looked at things and when you change how you look at things the things you're looking at change And I know that's like some kind of corny quote, but it's really true because when you can separate the facts of what's going on in the world 
from how you're interpreting them. The story that your brain is offering you of this is what's happening. This is why it's happening. This is how it's happening. This is how it's impacting you. This is how it's impacting your life. When you can separate the drama basically of what your mind is telling you and how it's interpreting things based on your past and your experiences and the filter through which you see everything. And side note, if you constantly are worrying and anxious and overthinking like me, you're going to see everything as a problem (laughs) and separate that from the facts of what's actually going on. Like this person said words and then my brain goes, oh no, you didn't. And then it goes off running from there. When I was able to slow down that process and it took me years to really incorporate this and apply it, I was able to slow down and see, oh my gosh, everything is happening, period. It's not for me. It's not to me. It's just happening. And then I get to decide if I want to engage in an exchange with another person or react to the situation Or do I want to be helpless and be a victim in this scenario? Or do I want to really think about what I want to do if I want to do anything? And I've applied this to essentially every area of my life and I found how powerful it really was. But for many years, I also downplayed how much impact it had on me. And it was interesting because as I unwound this and kind of opened myself up to exploring different facets of myself and seeing how my childhood shaped my experiences and how I perceived the world, I let my guard down and I became vulnerable. And I was exploring this over the last few years. And what my husband saw was that I wasn't confident, was that I was letting other people affect me. And it took multiple conversations with him for me to see what he was seeing. Because I also was still defensive, very, very defensive. Because if you go back, remember, I wanted to be in a certain profession so that I could be secure and safe in my life. And I think as humans, this ties back into stress. Stress is created when we're resisting something, right? We're resisting a reality. We're resisting something we don't want to happen and trying to pretend it's not happening or we want to ignore it or we want to go off and eat or drink or scroll or watch Netflix or do something else to avoid actually dealing with the reality of what's happening because of the thoughts we're having about it. And those thoughts are what is creating stress in us. And especially if we're having a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. And those are your sympathetic nervous system, your stress response kicking in. And when your stress response is constantly kicking in, you're not going to feel very safe or secure and you're just going to be reacting to everything instead of responding from a place of certainty, security, connection, and love. You're going to be reacting from fear, from stress, from defensiveness, from anxiety, from worry, and it creates a very different response to the world and it creates a very different experience in your life because if you're acting defensive what do you think the person you're talking to what is they going to experience they're going to experience that you're being defensive or you're being cranky or even you know bitchy and they're going to react a certain way and then you're going to react to their reacting and then it's going to perpetuate this cycle right and when I could really really see that I went back inside myself and realized the work that I wanted to do was to further unwind because I know at my core, 
just like I know very deeply at all of our cores, we are love. And when we get disconnected from that love, we start reacting. We start stressing out. We start creating this facade to protect us from the world. And a lot of us have these real hard shells around us to try to keep us safe because our basic human primitive instinct is to stay safe, to avoid pain, to seek pleasure, to be efficient, to not die, right? But in our world today, in this evolution of humanity, Yes, there are multiple things that can hurt us, that can insult us, that can hurl, be hurled at us. But if we're not living from our truth, our core of love and security and sufficiency that we create inside of us, we're going to be constantly defensive and reacting and uncertain and insecure, right? And so I wanted to share this today because I have fear. I have fear that if I say all of this, that people are going to see me and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, she's crazy. Really? Right. Because these are thoughts I have in my head. I'm afraid that I'm going to be cast out of the tribe and rejected and left on the side of the road in the cold, wet weather to wither and die. Right. And that's my brain just trying to protect me. I also recently have been doing unshaming work with Simone Soul and David Bedrick, and I would encourage you to look either or both of them up because they are amazing, this work they're doing with unshaming people because shame is such a huge witness that tells us that we're wrong, that we're bad, that we can't. And doing this work, I found that I'm afraid to feel disappointed or rejected which to me means as I lean in, I just want to feel safe. I want to feel secure. I want to feel connected. And I know how to create all of that because all of our emotions come from our thoughts. And so I want to offer, if you're feeling any way, you have the opportunity to learn from that and grow into it and around it and to feel grounded and calm and safe and centered, no matter where you're starting. And if you want to explore what it looks like to do this work and to have a connection with someone who understands what you're going through, I want to invite you to reach out and schedule a time to talk with me because I know how life-changing this work is. It creates such opportunities for growth and learning and taking back your control and empowering you to create more of what you want in your life, more calm, more peace, more efficiency, more fun, more play, and to know exactly what to do when stress comes up, when difficulties come up, when conflict comes up, when challenges come up, to be able to trust yourself and your decisions and have your own back, even if other people are questioning what the hell are you doing right now, you can have that connection and know deep down that you are acting the best you can in the moment and you can have your own back and you can trust yourself and that opens you up to so much more love and connection and authenticity and enjoyment of the world. All right, my friends, thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for listening to this today. And I just want to offer you that if you're struggling right now, you're not alone and you're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. 
Sometimes we just need to slow down, reconnect, and reclaim what's already inside of us, our wisdom, our beauty, our love, and our joy. Have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening today. If you love what you're hearing, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want more inspiration and stress solutions to feel better and live joyfully, click the link in the show notes to join my email list to get joy delivered straight to your inbox. It is never too late to reclaim your brain and thrive in your life.